Welcome to another episode of Clearlight Connections, where we talk to the people behind the businesses of Bay Area Houston, proudly sponsored by UTMB Health. Special guest today is Olivia Rivers with Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much. Tell me about Bridge Over Troubled Waters. What, what, what is it you do? The bridge exists to provide services to survivors of domestic violence, human trafficking, child abuse, and sexual assault. We've been around the community for over 40 years, and we do a lot of comprehensive services for our clients. It could be anything from helping them obtain protective orders or providing them shelter and housing, or even something as simple as coming to support groups and parenting classes. And, and how did you get into this line of work? I started in this line of work as a criminal justice student. I was actually studying forensic anthropology in Missouri. And once I moved here to the great state of Texas and the local area, I was able to continue working in the criminal justice field, but more um, on the victim service side rather than on the forensic investigative side. So I just continued in this career path and it's been um, a wonderful opportunity to be able to serve the community in this way. So you must be passionate about it because the subject matter is so kind of, you know, off-putting for most people. But tell us, tell us about some of the services that you provide and, and how if, if myself were the victim of, uh, you know, uh, domestic abuse, what, what would it look like when I came to you? So our agency is staffed 24 hours a day, and one of those areas that is staffed is our 24-hour hotline. And so if someone you know or someone in the community is needing our services, they would simply call our 24-hour hotline at 713-473-2801. And there, one of our advocates would help provide them an assessment to determine if it's the best place for them to come and also get an idea of what their needs really are so that they can make the best choices for themselves. One of the things we like to talk about when it comes to family violence or abuse is to make sure that um, we allow the survivor to make those choices along the way so that they're not doing anything um, that is uncomfortable or that could even put them in further harm's way. And so we work with local law enforcement. They provide us with referrals. We also have 24-hour accompaniments to the local hospitals. So if someone goes to the ER and needs services, one of our advocates will meet them there. So we have a lot of avenues of how one can obtain services. And I'm guessing, unfortunately, the need is rising steadily. Absolutely. So with the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders, it caused a lot of people to be isolated in the same home with their abusers. And just reaching out for support and help wasn't always possible. Um, usually when abusers go to work or school, it's during that daytime hours that we see a lot of survivors reach out for support. So what the bridge did during the pandemic is we initiated a new um, way to reach out for us. And so instead of just calling the 24-hour hotline, you can also check text or chat with us. And we do have advocates that also man that 24 hours a day. And so that's been able to make sure that we're still connected to survivors because most survivors don't want to call the police. They mm -hmm. want the abuse or the harm to stop, but they necessarily don't necessarily want to get their partner in trouble. So you guys take a very holistic approach, mm -hmm. uh, but are there also services that help get the abuser to stop being, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 to remove their part of what they're doing wrong in the relationship. I love that you asked that question because a lot in this movement, we hear people say, why doesn't she or he just leave? When the real question is, why doesn't he or she just stop hitting? And sometimes we think anger management classes are the answer, but that's not. So within the domestic violence world, we have something called BIP, which is Batters Intervention and Prevention Program. And while the bridge doesn't offer that, one of our sister agencies, ABDA, which is Aid to Victims of Domestic Abuse, we definitely refer our survivors and our clients who want their abuser to get better or to receive 
services to ABDA. That way they can go to those classes and really, again, get to the root of violence because it's all about power and control. And so again, to end domestic violence, you do need to address it from a holistic perspective, address it with the whole family, the whole community, and BIP is one of those ways. And you said you also deal with trafficking. Correct. And yes. and that's been on the rise as well, and, Absolutely. And especially in our area. Tell people about that because I, I don't think enough people know about that. Right. Um, Houston is the number one hub in the country. If not that, then definitely L.A. Um, most people know that one of the highways that runs from end to end for the U.S. is Highway 10. And a third of that is in the state of Texas just alone. And so when you have a lot of trafficking, um, we do see high numbers of that. Also just being a very international city, um, we do have a lot of international trafficking, um, foreign trafficking, but a lot of it is domestic. And um, being so close to the border, um, and again, just being a diverse area, it is hard, It is easy to hide people uh, you know, in plain sight. And mm-hmm. so Houston has for a long time um, been one of the hubs. and. With um, the help of law enforcement and then other social service agencies, we're just trying to make sure we diminish that and provide people a safe place to go because really that's what makes it very hard to dis- to escape any of these situations is not having that next step to go. Um, because at the end of the day, people want to be safe, but also a roof over their head, having food, all of those elements are equally important. And you can't think about the legal side when those basic needs are not being met. And so that's where the bridge steps in. Yeah. T- tell me what I should be on the lookout for. I've got two daughters. Mm-hmm. What should I be on the lookout for if to 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 kind of notice that they're in a relationship that's mm-hmm. off, or on on the other hand, the 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 whole trafficking thing? Sure. What, what am I looking for there? So at the root of all of these violences are power and control. And so something that we talk about with our young people, because we do go to middle schools and high schools to talk about healthy relationships, are those red flags of abuse. And what can seem charming and endearing to a young person, such as, you know, oh, my boyfriend, he likes to pick out my clothes or he always wants me to call him when I get home. While those can on the surface seem just very endearing or sweet natured, those can turn into an opportunity for an abuser to become possessive and control. And so we talk to young people about making sure that they have autonomy of their own body, that they're able to make their decisions, that there's no one outside of, you know, the safety and love of their parents that should be controlling their daily moves and telling them what they can or cannot do. And I think people also forget that abuse is not just physical, right? So there's a lot of emotional aspects to it. So again, talking about what a healthy relationship looks like, meaning healthy communication. You should never be um, dating a partner that is verbally abusive or calling you names or making fun of you, you know, for the sake of others, you know, benefit to laugh. And so we see that a lot with high school students. Um, And so when we work with these young people and really talk about what does it look like to not even just a romantic relationship, but healthy friendships, they can start seeing those red flags of abuse. And so when they come across someone who they're in a relationship with, they can set those boundaries with um, firmness, but also out of respect to say, hey, I don't like when you talk to me like that, or I don't like when you touch me like that. And so that kind of creates um, this foundation of them as they grow into adults saying what is okay and what is acceptable for them in friendships and relationships. And so, so is it cyclical? Like, is, is it, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of passed down generation to generation because they, they don't know what a healthy relationship looks like? It's very true. So within our realm, we have something called the cycle of abuse. And so like every relationship, it starts out wonderful. We call that the honeymoon phase. And from there, after a couple of weeks, months, and sometimes even with some of my clients, it's been years before anything violent happens. So we move from the honeymoon phase and then we kind of get to an abusive phase where we kind of start seeing some of those red flags and 
then you have an abusive episode that happens. And then after that, there's apologies. And then again, the honeymoon phase. So we see that play out in relationships, just individual relationships. But as you were saying, it also happens. And that's how generational violence is perpetuated. We kind of see that common pattern that happens over and over again. And studies show that a child that grows up in a home that is abusive in nature, um, a, a boy is three times more likely to become an abuser himself. And a young woman is three times as likely to become a victim. And so they see and they duplicate what is familiar to them, whether mm-hmm. it's healthy or not. And so one of the, the things that we do in the community is prevention. Um, intervention is great, but we really want to focus on prevention because if you can start working with kids in elementary and primary to really talk about what a healthy community looks like, they never have to ever experience that and get to the place of intervention. And, and so how do you guys do that that prevention? Are you in the schools? And We in- are in the schools. We also are one of the only domestic violence agencies that has an accredited and licensed child care facility. So we actually have teachers who are who study trauma informed um, early childhood education and they're Mm -hmm. able to implement some of those things into the classrooms so the kids can grow up. And even if they were born into an abusive household, they now have the tools that they need. Um, In addition, we do work with schools. We are hoping to write a curriculum for um, early elementary and early childhood um, teachers to use as well, um, because by the time they get to high school, we're already seeing girls and young men in abusive relationships. So at that point, prevention becomes intervention. And so we're seeing it happen younger and younger. So the, the goal is that we can kind of start as early as possible. And even with our kids in our program, we talk about healthy touches and you know good touches. We get permission to even give the kids a high five or ruffle their hair. All of those very small things really teaches a child about the world around them and to make sure that they can walk and live in this world as safe as possible yeah and so it, it's great that you're starting young and trying to make sure that it doesn't happen mm-hmm. but when it does what what do what the services look like so as far as our youth we offer a lot of support groups for them um, groups and just spaces where they can come and talk about what's been going on everyone that comes into our program is also assigned a child advocate so we have child advocates that walk beside these kids some of them have been in our programs for years and continue to benefit from that and then of course we have play therapy for our younger children and then just regular therapy for our older kids and then those same um, services are also for men and women who are adults as well and so all of the services can benefit the whole family or it can just be for individuals and even services for and support groups for parents who are raising children who have been abused because that is another interesting dynamic of learning how to parent a child who maybe came out of an abusive relationship or experienced something like human trafficking because sometimes parents don't know once that child comes home or gets out of the life they're they're a whole different person and so you have to relearn how to parent that child after an abusive episode has happened. And so we try to identify the needs and really that comes from conversations with our survivors. And when we hear people say like, I'm having a hard time now that my child is home, we basically create whatever service is necessary to make sure that that family gets a holistic approach. And so tell, tell me a little bit about uh, your, the needs of your organization. Mm-hmm. What, what do you guys need? Do you have, do you take d- donations, that yes. type of thing? Sure, so I would say one of our biggest needs Uh, We have, we're the sixth largest agency of our kind in the state of Texas. So we have a 100 bed shelter here in this area. And of course, that's 100 mouths to feed. Um, If you think about anything you do on a daily basis from the time you wake up and get ready to go to work or school to the time you go to sleep, all of those toiletries, personal items, we can always use those types of things. Um, A lot of our volunteers love to come and cook. Uh, One thing we've noticed about working with survivors of trauma is that at the end of the day, there's nothing like coming home and being able to sit with your family and have a nicely cooked meal. And so while we 
do have food service staff that provide that. People from the community love being a part of that and being able mm-hmm. to serve meals to the families um, that are at our shelter. So that's always awesome. And then we're in the middle of a capital campaign. And one of the things that we talked about earlier as far as prevention is making sure children have a safe place to go. So we're actually building a youth center that will be able to serve over 200 children a day um, from newborn all the way up to 18 because that teenage gap, sometimes uh, they miss out on services just because a lot of services are catered to 12 and under. So um, we always need support there and then also volunteers to mentor these young men and young women Um, again to change violence and really to end it we want to show that there are positive male and female role models in the community that know how to show love um, in a very beautiful and safe way and so basically what I tell people is anything that you do on a daily basis any way you genuinely like to serve or any talents that you have we can turn that into an opportunity to serve at the bridge and and how would they reach you how would they contact you for for these opportunities yes so they can reach out to us on our at our phone number at 713-472-0753 or you can reach out to us on our website at www.tbotw.org okay i had to work through that one myself (laughs) uh Anything else you'd like to tell the audience about what you've got going on or just, you know, anything you need them to know about what's, you know, this, it's, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about the pandemic when it comes to, uh, but it seems like this kind of violence mm-hmm. has been pandemic as well, and it's just getting worse and worse. Definitely. One of the things that we said at the top of the pandemic is that domestic violence is a pandemic within a pandemic. This has been going on for generations since the beginning of time. And one thing I would always like to say when I have an audience is to say that this isn't an issue that we want to keep silent. I know that a lot of families grow up and they say, let family business be family business. But the way to end domestic violence is to bring it out of the dark and shine a light on it. And so a lot of of people that we work with say that they never told their relatives, they never told their families and friends because they didn't want to be a burden. And so what I would encourage is anyone who is listening, who is experiencing a domestic violence situation, or if you think a loved one might be, it's okay to just ask them, are you okay? Is everything all right at home? Mm-hmm. Are you safe? Um, and, and obviously asking them in a safe place where no one else is around and giving them that space because sometimes survivors will say, no one ever asked me how I was doing. And that can really spark a conversation and lead to the community members, church members, or whomever guiding them to a place like the bridge so that they can find those services and you know determine their next steps. I think as a community, we always want to tell people to just leave. And what studies have shown us is that that is the highest time for lethality or for a homicide to occur when a, a victim leaves. So sometimes mm. just telling them to get out and come stay with me, that's not always the safest thing to do. So what we do at the bridge is talk them through the process because no one knows that person or that abuser's triggers better than the victim. So we talk to them before they even take those steps to say, what feels safe? What feels right? Especially if there's children involved, things of, you know, finding answers are connected and tied. We talk them through all of that in a calm space so that they can really process their decision before they make it. But what I would just tell the audience is, you know, be open, listen to your loved ones and your friends and believe them, believe survivors, because abusers are charming. You know, in public, they're some of the warmest, friendliest individuals, but it's what happens behind closed doors with their family. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes believers don't feel like, or survivors do not feel like they're believed because in public, everything seems perfect and Mm -hmm. wonderful. So if someone says that they're in an abusive relationship or they've been um, assaulted, just choose to believe them. Yeah. And I want to thank you for what you're doing. Um, You're you're obviously passionate about Mm -hmm. this, and I, I hope that your prevention measures uh 
remove the need for intervention down the road. And Absolutely. if we could just put a stop to this, it would be fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, Clear Lake Area Chamber of Commerce members and Bay Area Houston. If you're a business wanting to expand your customer base, give back to your community, think about the quality of life around Clear Lake Area, think about joining the chamber. Go to clearlakearea.com for more information.